Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Hey everybody, this is Jerry from Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you always dreamed of. On this episode, we have Danny Bollinger, manager of publishing for the Dallas Mavericks. That's right, the NBA team. He's going to share with us his story about how he left small town Iowa to live his dream out, to find his dream and live it out in Dallas, Texas. How did he become a photographer and lots of other insights. So stay tuned as Brandon and I have a great chat with Danny Bollinger. Hey, Brandon, welcome back to your own show. How have you been? I'm awesome, as always. Awesome. Good. Good to have you back, you know, since the last week when we recorded. Yeah, it was a long trip. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. You're dumb. No kidding. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. No kidding. Uh, now, we have a guest here with us uh, calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, he's the manager of publishing for the Dallas Mavericks. Been there a while. I met him through his girlfriend, who happens to be my boss's boss. Really cool lady. Uh, this guy's a really cool guy. Danny, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Awesome. How's the weather over there, anyway? Uh, it's hot, but I told the guy on the tarmac that it was hot. He goes, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I need to get my jacket. I'm freezing. <laughs> Sounds like Corpus Phoenix. Christi. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dry so, heat. It's perspective. That's what I'm trying to say. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you on. I, I've met you a few times. Well, a couple of times. I guess that's a few, right? Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Nobody will check. And, and yeah, just hilarious guy. Uh, taught me how to collage. So I never really did collages until... Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, you did collages in kindergarten. You just have to revisit. No, I called that art back then. <laughs> oh, that was art. Yeah. Or homework. Well, it's art. Homework. It's art. It's art now, too. But that's true, uh, yeah. you just you hadn't been at, you hadn't been at it in a while. My mom said I was the best at it. I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, the one I made at the event you hosted for us, by the way, is secretly making its rounds through the headquarters office in Irving, Texas. I, I got somebody to plant it at somebody's desk, and then they found it, and I convinced them to plant it at somebody else's desk. Wow. I, want, I want to see how many desks I can get this thing planted before it gets thrown away. So, and then, it's, like, it's like, where's Waldo? Yeah. Exactly, yes. So it's like, where's my collage? Uh, so I always like to open up with an icebreaker with our guest just to warm our audience up to you. And right now I'm on this kick where I'm trying to convince the whole world that Brandon is a huge Renee Zellweger fan um, because, you know, he is. She's he going just, to call in one he day. He doesn't know he's a big fan either, but one day he'll realize it. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Or I'll get served with papers. I don't know which will happen first. But. <laughs> what, stalking uh, restraining order, you mean? She, she's not on any social media, so it's really hard to stalk her since I don't know where she's at. Well, actually, um, I think somebody I know has her number if you want to get it from her. From Absolutely. Them. That would be they could, awesome. They could, they could buy it. You could buy it from them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Brandon, how much money do we have in the budget for this? <laughs> that clearly crosses the line when you buy somebody's phone number. <laughs> All right. So the Renee Zellweger icebreaker question for you is if you yourself were Renee Zellweger. I'm going there now. <laughs> what advice would you give Brandon about pursuing his own dreams? Now is his dream Renee Zellweger or is it his <laughs> personal uh, career dreams? 
I don't know, Brandon. It's, it's I would say personal <laughs> career dreams. The other kind of makes me sound creepy. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing: you never know what you never know its point of view, right? It's just like the weather. Some people think it's hot. <laughs> some people think it's cold. That's true. Okay, my advice to you, um, as Renee Zellweger, as Renelle Dewa, Renelle, Renee Zellweger. It's a tongue twister. Her name is. It is. <laughs> um, gosh, I'm trying to think. God. I, you know, it's really tough to think like a woman. <laughs> it really is. I don't I'm think women sure understand how hard that is. Yeah, because listen, if I could think like a woman, I'd have a, a lot less trouble in my life. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't forget half the stuff you forget. You would You'd be prepared <laughs> when you went places. And you would not say stupid things all the time. These are all things my wife has told me. <laughs> oh, yeah. The only, prob- the only thing that you have difficulty with would be um, directions. <laughs> And opening the pickle jar. There you go. So other than that, so my advice to, to, to Brandon would be to decide what your dreams are first and then listen to Beyond the Rut and glean information from each one of the – I think you guys are in the 70s now? Almost. We are – I think this Mid-50s? is episode 61. 60s? So we're almost there. Okay. okay so yeah. take those 61 people and just kind of aggregate it and make your own little Bible. Awesome. I think that's pretty accurate because I think that's exactly what Renee would say because I know she's a fan of the show. So what better advice could there be? Yeah, like I'm really pumped because I know that Renee is going to hear my words now and you never know where that's going to lead. I mean, I might step in on you there. So hey, you never know. Yeah, I'm not above it. Watch out. Uh, that was awesome. Thanks for indulging me on that. And thanks, Renee, for thinking through the advice you gave Brandon there just now. Uh, I'm, sorry my vo- I'm sorry my voice is so hoarse. You know, I had a, an audition uh, <laughs> last night, and it just kind of I'm, – I'm kind of hoarse. So. It's all right. All right. <laughs> but now that we got Danny back. <laughs> What's up, guys? Awesome. <laughs> Woo. Okay, here's the thing. Are you ready? Yes. Tell us something that you've never heard before or that you don't know. You come into this world – no choice of your own, right? So you don't know when it is, who your parents are, or where they live. So I grew up in Iowa. I, I grew, grew up in a super small town until the seventh grade. So when I say super small town, I mean 25,000 people. Wow. Then in the eighth grade, we moved to an even smaller town oh, of 50, 1,500 people. Wow. That's a city so block, went, right? Yeah. <laughs> My first dorm at Iowa State had more people than my entire town. Wow. Yeah. So, but like I said, coming from Iowa, there's a lot of things that people in Iowa have that you take for granted mm-hmm. until you get out into the big city like Dallas and you find that, you know, socioeconomic structure is more vastly separated out. And, you know, you have super rich people that don't work and you have super poor people that work their ass off. And, everything in between. I think Iowa is, is one of those places. I grew up in a town of 25,000 and, and the people that listen to this that are from Paris are going to go, that's not super small. Yes, it is. That's why I left. But at 25,000 people, it seems big until you move to a smaller town of 1500. And you're like, you start to believe everybody's like you, that we're all just the same in the same place. And then you move someplace like Dallas and you find out there is such a difference between the top and the bottom. And there's a whole middle there most people don't even know about. Right. First of all, I know Paris. One of my huge customers is in Paris, PJ Trailers. Do you know PJ oh, Trailer? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. They yeah. can come on and sponsor the show now that we've mentioned them. Absolutely. <laughs> this guy. So, and they're, 
the story the stories out of PJ Trailer are amazing. Those people yep. are awesome. But here's the thing. So when I first got to Dallas, my very first well, I was a waiter first, but my first real corporate job was working for Frito Lay, right? So you come in and you have a class of about twenty people and you gotta go through all this stuff. You actually have to deliver chips and, and do the whole you know, do the whole thing. So, you know, I'm working, 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 you know, probably eighty hours a week. This is nineteen ninety two. For three hundred and seventy-seven dollars and seventy-seven cents, right? Awesome. Now you graduated from Iowa State before you got this job. Yeah, yeah, I graduated from Iowa State. Exactly. So, so you got a college <laughs> degree making almost four hundred dollars a week. Hey. Yes, a college degree almost making twelve hundred a month. Exactly. So I start talking to people within the company. You know, at the end of the day, you meet up and you have meetings and stuff, and they're like, you know, you're doing great, fantastic. I'm like, nah, I suck. I'm just doing. You know, I'm just working. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. And they're like. Well, some people are already quit. I mean, like, what do you mean they already quit? They're like, yeah, they just didn't show up for work. And I'm like, what do you mean they didn't show up for work? Right. And I'm like, people don't show up for work. People are late for work. What is going on? This, I've never heard of this. Right. Because where I'm from, I never knew that to be true. Right. You so, get up and go to work. That's what you do. You go to work every day. You get you're on time. You do your job and you go home. So, yeah, there's a there's a big difference in people and coming from Iowa. I think you have. You know, you have an advantage. Absolutely. I love the fact that there are people in this country who grew up and live exactly like what you just described. You get up, you do your job, you make money, you take care of yourself. You know, that's what you do. And and we've got a generation. I don't think the whole generation, but there's certain people and I manage a number of people and there's certain people that, you know, just don't have that work ethic of I'm going to work really hard. And they say they don't pay very well and you can't make any money here. And it's like you can make as much money as you want to in this world. It's totally right. up to you. You know, you right. worked 80 hours. You were scheduled probably for 30, but you work 80 because that's what right. you do when you want to make more. Yeah. The thing is. People, I think they have a short vision of what's going to happen to them. Or, look, I, I come from a poor background, so it isn't like I had a choice. <laughs> right. Right? So if my parents said, "Hey, you don't have to work," right, or "Hey, right. you can have this," or "Hey, you can have that," and you don't have to work, maybe I'd have a different opinion. But mm -hmm. if you wanted something, you had to work. So, like mm -hmm. my first job, I got when I was twelve. I lied about my age, and then after two weeks, this kid named Cam Henderson. <laughs> S-O-B, Cam Henderson, <laughs> he went and told the supervisor, hey, you know, he's only 12, right? Oh. So, I, so I got fired and I needed that money, right? Mm. So it was like maybe I think it was like $121 a week working in the, in the bean fields. Wow. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean that was all the money in the universe to me. Exactly. So I, I had to wait two more years to get it. So, so what made you uh, or got you from Iowa State to uh, Dallas? Um, I 35 South for two and a half hours. It's so <laughs> no. funny because I gave that exact same answer to Jerry when he said, well, and, and we want to know how he got there. I said, he's probably going to say a plane, but no, yeah. he drove. No. <laughs> I in 91 for Thanksgiving break, I came to Texas. One of my friends was in the Navy and he was stationed in Brownsville, Texas. Oh, okay. So Brownsville to Dallas is about the same as Dallas to, <laughs> I to, to Iowa. So we yeah. met in the middle, right? At another friend's house. So, in Iowa in November, you have <laughs> snow. The sun's been missing for about four weeks. Wow. Uh, bitter cold and wind. Okay. Mm. In Texas, you have green grass, 70 degree <laughs> weather, and super fantastic blondes and brunettes and redheads <laughs> running around everywhere. Right. That, that's our, our state motto, I think. So I came here and I went back to, I went back home 
and graduated from Iowa State. I'd been in Wilton, my small town, for about 10 days, and you know nothing was coming up that I was excited about. I had offers from like Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Hormel, Oscar Mayer, just these types of regional sales jobs. And my friend who was still going to SMU said, hey, I'm, I'm, I can't take this cold weather anymore. I'm going back home. And I'm like to Muscatine, which is about 12 miles from Wilton. He says, no, I'm going to Texas. I said, I'm going with you. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, dude, I'm leaving in two hours. I said, drop me off. I'll get a bag and we're gone. So I went into the house. I, I'll never forget it. I, my mom was sitting there on the couch and I said, I'm going to Texas. And she's like, for what? And I said, I'm moving there. She's like, when? And, and I said, well, Joe's picking me up about four o'clock. She's like, are you serious? And I said, yeah, I'm serious. I didn't find this out until later. So about a couple weeks after my dad hadn't seen me for a while, he says to my mom, have you seen Danny? And she goes, well, he moved to Texas. And he's like, when the hell did he do that? That would be my dad. Yeah. Wasn't there somebody so, else living here? What, what yeah. was his name? Oh, yeah. gosh. Well, that's how I got to. So that's how I got to Texas. That's awesome, and that's why we started this podcast because we live in this rut of this is just what I do, and you choose to say, you know what, I don't have to live in this rut. I can I can climb out of it anytime I want to. This is a self imposed kind of prison that a lot of people live in a corporate life or just in a regular life. Well, I have to live here in Iowa because that's where my dad lived and my granddad and my great granddad. And it's like, no, just get up, get in the car, and and when your friend picks you up, say, let's go to Dallas. Yeah, getting somebody else's car, it's even better. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If you can get a free ride down there, that yeah, you know, that's the way to go. You know, I was thinking about beyond the rut. You know, I can say in my life there's been a whole bunch of different kind of ruts. You know what I right. mean? Right, absolutely. So it's not like you have – do you decide one day you're not in this rut anymore. It's, well, I'm not in that rut, but now I have another rut. <laughs> so there's like I have a rut on my food. I have a rut on my – personal life. I have a rut on my business. I have a rut, rut, rut. So for me, getting out of the ruts has to do with doing what I want to do for myself to make me happy. You obviously have to make money, right? There's a certain, there's you a certain, the bills. you got to pay the bills. There's a certain cost of life, you know, and some people have that fear that, you know, I need this, I need this, I need this, but I found, so when I came to Dallas, I had $65 period. A lot, right? of, a lot of planning went into that trip, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Two whole hours, man. He said it. <laughs> it was I need a awesome. bag, clothes, and $65. I'm in. That's all it was. So, But here's the thing. When you're going along, you're like, wow, 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 wow. This is tough. This is tough. But then after a while, you think, okay. So like when I bought my house, I was like, how am I going to do this? Right? Right. And then you figure out how to do it. So instead of having $2,000 in bills, you have $6,000 in bills. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And then you have $8,000 in bills and you just go up, up, up and you don't even think about it. And then you raise the bar again and you're like, what am I doing? But it figures itself out because you get out of the rut. Exactly. Right? So that's my opinion on that because I don't think there's like one rut you get out of. Oh, absolutely. I think there's one rut after the other that you get out of. And there's some good ruts, you know, and, and one of the things that we've discovered too in doing this podcast that we, we, we're not necessarily just in a rut. Sometimes you're in a groove, you know, and the groove is good, but then you run the danger or the risk of that becoming a rut where you never try anything. You never risk anything. On that matter, I think, so he, here's the deal. I know some of the richest people ever, right? right? They're not happier than me. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? They have more conveniences than I have. 
right? So here's an example. I'm one time I'm at the doctor. I go to get a you know one of the cardiograms, and they have all these questions they ask you. They basically you're like snooping in your life because they're trying to figure <laughs> out. And the guy's like, and I'm like, dude, are we, is this like an application? Are we you trying to marry me here? Right? Or am I getting you know a stress test? And this guy's asking me all these questions. This doctor. And he's asking me about my life and because this is I'm traveling full time back then and he's asking me all these questions. And after about twenty minutes, he just kind of leans back and sighs like I just ruined his life. And he goes, Dude, I, I I guarantee I make ten times as much money as you, but your life is so much better than mine. Exactly. And I'm like, Doc, do you need a hug? <laughs> I'm like, dude, okay, whatever you say. Yep, the patient Can became I- the doctor. Can I get on the treadmill? Are you paying? Well, yeah. So right. made that sound bad. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's what I think about that. It's so true. And I've met some of the poorest people in the world that are the happiest. I know this, this couple that they've lost jobs and I mean, he spent time in jail. It wasn't, wasn't his fault. He was wrongly accused, but it, about three months, they lost everything. They just recently lost their house. If you met them though, they are always happy. They just love their lives. They love their kids. They love each other and they're just happy. And I just think all the time we spend worrying about paychecks or mortgages or whatever it is. And there's people that don't have that that are statically happy. And then there's people like you were talking about that are just incredibly rich. And I know some people like that too. Their marriage is terrible. They're, they hate their kids. They hate their jobs, their doctors right. or whatever. And they like hate everything, but they could get on their own plane and fly all around the world, but they basically hate their lives. How depressing is that? Oh yeah. And that's why we really started this was to teach people that don't spend your life miserable, whatever it is. If you make $10,000 a year or $10 million a year, if you're miserable, stop that. Get out of that rut and get into something that really drives you, that makes you passionate. One of the interviews we did earlier in the year with Jamie, she started her own t-shirt business and her whole family and friends were just like, that's crazy. You've got medical in a secure place and you're working for this place that's going to be in business for a billion years and you're going to go risk it to start your own business. And she goes, I just don't want to wake up that way anymore. I don't want to live your dreams. I want to live mine. And that's way more important. And her family hasn't started blaming us yet. Not yet, because okay, I think good, she's good. starting to succeed now. So I'm kind of scared of Latino families having married into one. Oh, so. come on! Now. <laughs> Hello. They Hello. band together. You wrong that. You wrong that person. They come yeah. together, and you're like, I got to go into hiding for a bit. And, um. and that's a great. Uh, that's a great comment because a lot of people, when you start to branch out and do your own thing, they attack you because they don't want you to be successful and happy because that puts pressure on them to be successful and happy, mm-hmm. and it just kind of shows what they're doing in life. Well, there's a guy that uh, I work with, his friend, talking about security and all this. His friend buys this camera about seven years ago. It's this fancy camera. I don't – technology-wise, it would be a better story if I knew what it was. But it's called <laughs> Red Camera or something, and he wants one. So he's like, I'm selling my car, and I'm buying this camera. He sells his car. He doesn't have – I mean he's renting the camera. He's using it, and then he starts his own company making special kind of handles and you know things to make it work. And he just sold his company for $35 million. Yeah, there you go. So it's possible. A lot of people don't succeed. But even in the minor things in your life, if you make your friends aware of it, they might check on your progress and they'll be like, well, you know, it's going to get tougher now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like especially when you're start, like, especially when you start a diet, like right now I'm on this diet. I'm not really on a diet. I'm laying off sugar and I I'm, and I'm have a bet with someone on my weight because they doubt me. <laughs> I love when people doubt me. It's awesome. <laughs> so 
he's like, how much weight have you lost? And I've, and I'm like, Oh, so-and-so. And And he's like, yeah, but it's going to get tougher now. You know, the first, the first so-and-so comes off easy, but after that it's tough. Right. Back in May, I started a diet and I've lost 30 pounds this summer. And and I heard the same thing. I lost 10. It's like, well, anybody can lose 10. You lose 10 by just, you know, not drinking water for a day or something. And it's like, okay, well then they said the same thing. What's going to get tougher to get 20 and then tougher when you hit 30. And and I just signed up for my first triathlon at the end of the month. I've never done it before, but I'm like, I want to do things that scare me that make you doubt me. Right. That's awesome for you because it's tough. You know, my mom lost a bunch of weight. She's lost almost 80 pounds and she's wow. in her 60s. So, and she's wow. really struggling with it. And people doubt her and want to, you know, are you sick? And she's like, no, I'm not <laughs> sick. I'm trying to lose weight, you know? Yeah. For the first time in my life, I'm healthy. I'm not sick. Right. I'm actually, yeah. And one of the neat things about what you do with the Dallas Mavericks is when the Mavericks won the, the championship a couple of years ago, the whole world loved the Mavericks. And we were talking before we, we started recording. I grew up near Dallas and I remember going to Maverick games and, and, you know, you could walk in and basically get on the court and play if you wanted to. Nobody went to Maverick games. So, you know, a winning team is just like that. It attracts the masses. Oh, I've been a Maverick. Mavericks fan my whole life. No, you haven't. (laughs) There's the famous story about the Mavericks in the beginning when they were expansion team, they actually had a tennis tournament booked over a playoff game. (laughs) What? So the the tennis tournament trumped the the basketball game. So they had to play at the SMU, right? Which is about 5,000 or 6,000 people less than the arena, Reunion Arena. But if you hear it now, there's like 47,000 people were in that building. (laughs) It's right. like Woodstock. I think there were like 75 million people there now, if you ask. Oh, yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tell us a little bit about how you go from a 12-year-old working in the bean fields to a professional photographer, and that's how you make your living now with the Dallas Mavericks. And you already got okay. us up to the Frito-Lay job, so I guess you could probably even like springboard from there. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's lots of there's lots of things in between there. So like I'm a writer first. I wrote in college for the newspaper and I did writing before I started working for the Mavericks. But here's the thing. If you look back at it, it's kind of weird. So the collage thing is my sister reminded me, you know, this summer, like, dude, you were doing that in grade school. You know, we're doing that in middle school. I remember those in middle school. See, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Right. But photography, I just always thought it was so fantastic, but we were super poor, and in the seventies, you know these <laughs> these these things cost money. Oh yeah. So I always pretended like I was a photographer with whatever janky camera I had at the moment, right? Right. So my first camera was a one ten. I don't know if you remember. Oh yeah. Use the little roll film. The rolled film. <laughs> so there's a one ten, yep. and then my my second camera, you probably maybe you know, is called it was called the disc camera. Do you remember that? I don't know if I remember that oh. one. Okay, so it was a real small camera, and the f- negative was a disc. You know, oh like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Like the little it, viewer thing. Not, okay, no, not no the viewer. viewer thing, but like the viewer thing. Right, right. A lot, a lot like it. Right. So I'd always, I'd have these, <laughs> I would have these super janky pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. it cost it cost so much money to develop the film. Oh yeah, and it, and it was so expensive, and then. You know, when I got to high school, some of my friends uh, uh, would have the 35 millimeters and it was so expensive and you'd use the schools and I just always wanted to do it. Right. And then, and then when it got to digital in the 2000s, 
then I could kind of get into it with the Mavericks. You know, Mark would bought my first few cameras. And then when I got serious about it, he stopped. He's like, no, I'm not buying that. So <laughs> I'll buy you a car, but I'm not buying that camera. It's too expensive. You, you can buy whatever you want as long as you use your own money. That's his famous <laughs> line. So I love that. But, you know, I always fantasized about being a photographer because they always got to do this super cool stuff, travel here, travel there. They had access to all this, these cool things. So from 95 to 2000, I traveled the NBA, mostly, you know, the big events. And then when Scottie Pippen got transferred to Houston, the magazine would always send me down there to cover him and whatever the Rockets were up to. So I would always see this NBA photographer. His name is Glenn James. And I would always see him. And I would say hello, and he would look at me like I was a Martian, like, <laughs> you know, what are you following me? Or so he was one of the big dogs there. And then um, in about 2002, he, he worked for he started working for the Mavericks in 2000 when Mark Butler turned over the team. We offered him the job uh, as the photographer. Every Monday night, he would come to my house, which was a studio in Southside. I don't know if you know what Southside is. Yes. It's the old Sears complex. Yeah. And I had a huge apartment there, and he would come over on Monday nights, and we'd, for like four or five hours, we would just take pictures and you know figure out how to do it, and that's how I started. And and you know what's really hilarious is I've done all these like fantastic things that I wanted to do, and they're not so fantastic. <laughs> what? <laughs> you have to elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, you got to tell us more. <laughs> okay, so what I mean is like so all the photographers like. You see the SI guy gets to go to the island and take the pictures of all the pretty girls and oh, stuff, yeah, right? right? So when you're 15 <laughs> and you see this – That's the dream you're like, job. You're like, oh, <laughs> Wait, I got to have that. pay me right. for that? I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've done that in Barbados and Mexico and Vegas and here and there and all this. And it's tough, man. Yeah, it's a it's lot. It's a, it is a lot of work. And it is a lot of personalities. And <laughs> That's a very it, diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah, it is. It is not all it's cracked up to be. And not only that, if you look at the differences, so like the perception of a 15-year-old kid compared to the 35-year-old man, a 30-year-old man, a 40-year-old man, a 45-year-old man, you get my point. Right. It's all perspective at that point. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. It's just appreciating the journey, too. I think what's so great about your story is it's not like your parents set you up with this great education, got you a job at this great organization. You just showed up and did the work everywhere you went, and you've just persevered. But it's not necessarily facing adversity. Is you've gone through the process, which is what made you who you are today. 
I think sometimes we look at situations, even yours, and go, well, I want to skip all of that and go straight to where you're at right now. It's like, well, you can't appreciate it if you don't go through the process. That's what everybody wants. Even like Dirk Nowitzki for the Mavericks, I mean, the dude is a machine. He has a process. He does not falter from his process, and he just does it. So like when I first got to Dallas, I walked from Mockingbird to Park Lane on Greenville Avenue. Wow. And I, I applied at every single restaurant there. Because yep. you have to work. You have to have a job, right? Right. You I didn't eat. know it's, you got to <laughs> eat and you, you got to figure it out. So nobody would give me a job because I just graduated from college. They're thinking, this guy's not going to be here. And there was a guy named John Ahern, and he owned a place called Cardinal Puffs. I don't know if you guys know that place. It's Ozona now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard right, of that. It's right there by SMU. Yeah. And, and he was the only person that gave me a job, and he was the coolest guy. He was a hippie, and his he would always talk to me after my shift. He would be like, you're the greatest. You're the best work <laughs> I've ever had. And I'm like, John, I'm just doing my job. And he goes – and we'd talk, and, and his his fantasy – when he grew up, you know, this is a you know fifty-year-old man at this point who was super successful, was to sell Island Oasis out of a VW van in Mexico. Well, there you right? go. That was his that dream. Was, that was his dream. That you know what I mean? Got a he's, dream. he's selling a million dollars worth of hamburgers a month, right, in <laughs> Dallas. But now he wants to he wants to sell Island Oasis. So yeah. we, you know, everybody has their own situation and. So the process, the process is the hard part because everybody's trying to like, I, I promise you it's 10 times a day. Somebody says, Oh, I want to, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you want to do. But there's like 500 other things that go into it before that. Right. Exactly. You don't, you don't want to do that. I promise you. Yeah. Well, it's always the same. Can you get me an interview? Can you get me on, you know, is there, is there a job there for me? And then I'll just make it straight to the top. It's like, no, I, I'm, got five kids. I've told them all the same thing. You just take whatever job they'll give you. Like you were talking, you just walk down the street, take whatever job you got, you can get, and then blow the doors off of that. Do something so extraordinary. They have to pay you more or promote you or somebody else, a competitor will come in and say, wait, I want you to come work for me. And that that's life. That's how life gets done. Well, there's satisfaction in that too, right? So like, here's, here's the thing. So the way I look at it is, look, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to do what I can. And at the end of the day, I'm going to go to sleep, right? right? And if they fire me and I, and I can't keep my job, well, you know what? I'm not good enough. Exactly. But it ain't going to be because you outworked me. I can promise you that. That ain't happening. Well, that is just awesome. I, I, I'm thrilled to death we brought you on and got to meet you and hear your story. And I, I know it's going to inspire somebody out there to think, you know, there's things about their life that they can do and quit looking for the shortcut and just go through the process and do the work. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to talk for like five hours. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, this, is my, this, is my, this, is my, this is my last story and I'm, I'll be done. So this is just to prove what you're, what you're trying to say. Look, here's the thing. I promise you I'm the stupidest person ever to graduate college. I promise you. <laughs> I'm not like trying to like say like false this and that. I'm just saying not very smart, not very smart. So I wanted to start a magazine and there was this thing in Dallas called Fun Ed. So it's fun education and it's like, oh, yeah. you know, painting, art, whatever, everything, everything you can think of, they have a class and it's up on like it used to be up on Midway and 635. So I want to start a magazine and I see Fun Ed, how to start a magazine. 
So I paid whatever it was. I think I paid $200 to go to this fun ed class. And I forget <laughs> how long it was. But I got in there and this woman taught it. She had started a magazine. And that's how I started the magazine. Wow. I just took that class and I said, well, hell, if they can do it, I can do it. So I'm going to do it. I didn't know anything. And, and, and it was the most ridiculous. I had like 30,000 magazines piled in my apartment. I still have the picture and I'm like, what am I going to do with them? So I went out to all these little clubs. It was a basketball magazine and I passed them out for free. So and I'm that, just saying. That became yeah. Sports Illustrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are into this, this little fantasy situation. That would have been that a great story. Yeah, no. But that's so great because you invested in yourself. And that's the key. You know, you were saying not the smartest person to graduate from college. When when we get asked, well, you know, what qualified you to start a podcast? It's like we weren't smart enough to not do it, to know that we couldn't do it. So we're like, why not? We got a computer. We can buy a couple of mics off of Amazon and it's a headset. So let's figure this thing out. Right. And you know what I say to that? High five. There you go. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously. It's awesome. And you guys have already done like 60 some. So there you go. Awesome. They hadn't shut us down yet, so yeah. we'll keep Somebody going. asked us if we went to like a college program to learn how to do, do <laughs> podcasting. And for a split second, I thought, you can get a degree in this? No wow. way. And I was like, oh, no, no, you can't. Uh, no, I learned it by doing it. So, uh, right. Yeah. And my, my dad used to always say that, you know, how do you learn how to do something? You just do it bad a few times and eventually you learn how to do it. But nobody knew how to do, you know, they didn't know how to play basketball until they did. They didn't know how to build a house till they did. You've got to try it. And, and maybe you get into it and think, I'm the worst person in the world at this. Anybody else should do it but me. Go do something else, but at least try it. You know, right. I, I'd signed up for this triathlon. It might be the dumbest thing I've ever done, but I'm at least going to be able to say I tried and failed, but I did it. I didn't just say, well, I can never do that, so I'm not even going to try it. Go try something in life. Right. Danny, okay, so oh, go ahead. I'm going to tell, tell you one more story. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I love so this. This is awesome. I had this. I, I dated this girl in high school, and she moved to San Diego, right? So uh, for my spring, one of my spring breaks, I go visit her, and she's like, "Well, you just she worked at the mall or something." And during the day, I just rode the bike. So, but the bike's in the garage. So I go in the garage the first day, and there's a Honda CRX. You know those cars, the little short hatchbacks, mm -hmm, right? And its its engine is out, and it's got the little engine frame block, and it's hanging in the air. So at supper that night, I said, um, what's the scoop on the car in, in, the, in the garage there? And she's like, oh, that's Angela's car. And I'm like, well, what's going on? She's like, well, she's changing the engine in it. <laughs> and I'm like, she's changing the engine in it. She's like, well, how does she know how to do that? She went to the library and got the Chilton's books. Wow. Those books are she so boring to read too. Yeah. <laughs> she changed the engine and she drove it to Boston. Awesome. From San Diego. There you go. That's your, my point is your point. Just try it, I guess. I mean, I would never do that, but let's just be honest. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest anybody drive a car to Boston that I put together, but you know, and right. that was pre YouTube. So she wasn't even watching videos on this. She actually had to go to the library and pull that off. Yes. I, would, I would do it, but I mean, I'd bring a lot of duct tape with me too, but yeah, I'd bring money for a cab or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They didn't have Uber back then either. <laughs> exactly. So I was going to ask, um, yeah, one more story. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so in your life, how much had uh, failure been a teacher in your life that propelled you to the next level? So you, you tried something, it didn't work out, and then in the end, maybe it's short-term or long-term, it turns out that failure is what propelled you forward. You know, I, I, I don't think um, 
I mean, I have lots of failure, but here's the thing. Personally, I try to like, it's, I find it embarrassing, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to like overcome the embarrassment, I just tried harder, Mm -hmm. right? right? So I guess you can look back at it and say, oh yeah, well, because I sucked at that, I tried and I tried and I tried. So like even like physically as a person, I didn't grow until I was a senior. So in high school, so I'm talking about a 98, 100 pound dude, yeah, right? So you can imagine how much <laughs> that I took, <laughs> exactly. right? So, and then I grew, but I'm struggling to like keep up physically with other dudes and it just, it irritates the hell out of you. Mm-hmm. And then you just practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. So like even now I play basketball a lot. Well, not as much as I should, but I just think I don't look at it necessarily as the failure that did it, but it is that, mm-hmm. but it's just not being good at something and wanting to be good at it and just keep trying to do like even like spelling, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> A writer that's horrible at spelling, right? That it really is true. But over all these years, I'm I mean, I'm a, a super I'm, – I'm way better at it now because I've done it so long and so much because there really isn't that many words. You know what I mean? There's right. a there's a truckload of words, <laughs> but we ain't using many of them. Small, it's a small number of words that we use. You can put them together a whole bunch of different ways, but the number of words that we use, even in, our, in the speaking language, is not that high. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And then there's people that try to throw words in and it's like, what's the point? Nobody knows that word anyway, right? Right. So – I, I, I like to throw in Greek words because you can do it in almost any situation. No one knows Greek, so they, they don't pay that much attention to you. Yeah, nobody knows how many times Brennan says theta in an interview. Right. It just doesn't make the final cut. <laughs> the theta, yeah, theta, she's our secretary at the work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know if it's, it, it, it's failure, but... I'm not. I'm not trying to think life is some Zig Ziglar book mm-hmm. or you know some personal improvement thing. But I'm just saying, if you pay attention and you want to do better, I think that's that's what it motivates you. Right. And then some things that you try, you're just like, you know what? It's really not. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So thanks, Danny, for joining us. I know that uh, you're uh, out tonight, and y'all have got a game tomorrow, preseason game with the Mavericks, and and that's awesome. How can people uh, find out more about you or maybe follow your work? Well, if they don't, if they're super bored and they don't have, any, and they don't have anything else to do, they can um, go on my website, dannybowinger.com, and see some of my pictures, or they can Google my name. All the companies that I work for, they have all those pictures are searchable. So there's pictures everywhere, mostly basketball, but you know, I do concerts and all kinds of nonsense throughout the years. And then um, my collage stuff. Hey, um, <laughs> if you want to look at that, yeah, there you go. We'll you, link you, to the, all of that on the website <laughs> for yeah, sure. The collage is uh, Danny B underscore GPS, which stands for glue, paper, scissors, and awesome. uh, all my stuff is up there. I always so wonder G- what GPS stood for. Well, GP, yeah, GPS. Well, it's kind of like a double meaning, right? So, not that we want to get like whatever, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Um, GPS is, you know, uh, global positioning, right? So, but for me, it's glue, paper, scissors, but with my glue, paper, scissors, I find my positioning. Awesome. So when I'm doing the collage, it's like real, I mean, it's really intense if you let it be right. So, I mean, it pretty much succumbs my life. Every piece of paper, every 
time I'm walking down a street, I look at the ground, I see something, I'm like, how can I convert that? So it just keeps my brain, my brain is like a popcorn machine right. or like that little toy and the collage just like chills me out. So Renee, if you're listening, we do interview some pretty deep people. So you should come yeah. on and, you know, talk to us because, hey, where else are you going to learn about collage on a podcast? On a scale of, on a, okay, so let's just talk us three girls. On a scale of, <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, 10 being it's a certainty I think it's like an 11 that you're going to have her on your show. I, I think so too. I just, I, no. that's the way I live. I just believe in the best things are going to happen. The no, more you no. work towards it. Yeah. I think it, I listen, here's the thing. I think it can happen and here's why. Okay. So you have the Kevin Bacon thing, right? Six. Right. <laughs> Let's just say you have a super small percentage of success. So I think by the time you get to, I think by the time you get to a hundred, you'll have her on. She'll be number 100. I mean, that would be a great way well, to celebrate not, number 100. I, I don't want to go. Well, I don't wait that long. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, let's say for just, 70. Yeah, uh, 70. yeah okay. 75. Yeah, yeah. I, I think by unique person 70, you'll, if you, listen, but here's the thing. You got to keep, you got to, like, it's going to get tiring, right? The shtick of pitching this Renee Zellweger thing is going to get tiring, and you're not going to do it one time, and that's the one time you should have done it. Right. So you, have to promise yourself <laughs> that every time you start a show, you put this Renee Zellweger thing in. Because if you don't, that's when you're doomed. Right. So if you do it by if you do it every single show, all the way up to seventy, without fail, I promise that she'll be on your show. And you know what's funny? I'm not really that big of a fan. I wished we'd have done Drew Barrymore because you will I, be by I the time Drew we get Barrymore. her on the show. I know, when she comes on the show, I'll be the biggest Renee Zellweger fan in the world. You know, I'll buy a T-shirt. I just re I just read I just read a thing a couple weeks ago on the airplane. She's super cool. Oh yeah, she's awesome. I, I the thing I like about her, you know, in what I've learned about her in the last few weeks because I was actually trying to make contact, but uh, is she got <laughs> so tired of all the comments and judges of, of people just making comments about her? That's why she kind of backed away from a lot of that. Was just she's like, I don't need you people, so I'm not I'm gonna act and do my thing and live my life and. I don't need the approval of the world. And, you know, there were people, you're, you're too tall, too short, too thin, too fat, too whatever. And it's like, screw that. I'm not doing any of that. Yeah. You're never going to satisfy the haters. Oh yeah, exactly. They're, they're just jealous anyway. <laughs> F them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's been great having you on Danny. Okay guys. Yeah. Thanks uh, to your uh, girlfriend for suggesting it and, and, and hooking us up. This was great. He's awesome. And if the Mavericks ever come to Corpus Christi, come see us. You know, I don't know why they would, because we're two hours from everything. But <laughs> you know, it, it, it's possible that the Mavericks come to Corpus Christi in the in the preseason against the Houston Rockets. It could happen. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we played. We played in Madison. We played in Lacrosse. We played in Shreveport. We played in Tulsa. Oh, you know, all these places. So it's possible. Well, it's the best forty bucks I ever spent, boys. Awesome! Thank you so much. <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate you guys. Well, we'll stay connected and see how you do. And good luck to the team this year. And uh, let us know if you anything comes up, you get uh, something you want to just come on and talk about. By all means, give oh, us a shout. Oh yeah, I'll, no, I'll be listening. I'm going to go back to the archives and check out y'all's stuff. What I haven't done. I mean, I didn't get through all of it, but it really is. Uh, you know. Just got to keep grinding it out. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good vehicle for you guys. But also, here's the thing: my personal opinion. I always have stories. Last story, and I'm out. I, I'm hanging <laughs> up. I promise. We can't so, end it any other way. <laughs> these. 
these players and these people that talk to people, you know, they go out and they, they have talked to a crowd and try to motivate them or do whatever, tell their story. Here's the thing. Last week we're in a school and there's probably, I would say, 300 kids and it, they're restless and they're unruly and they're uncooperative and they're kind of, I mean, almost to the point of rude yeah. to, the speak, to the speaker, right? And afterwards he's like, look, here's the thing. I, I got to say what I have to say and maybe one or two people pick up on it. I'm not going to get the whole crowd. Why would you want to try? So hopefully one or two kids got it. And that's all you can do. There so, you, you know, you guys are in a room somewhere, somebody's house. You know, there's nobody there listening to you. You're recording this for later. You're going to put it on the web and you may or may not get feedback. Somebody might comment and you might never know, right, what it's done for someone because they're not going to tell you or they're not going to give you credit. But somebody, somebody's listening. Somebody says, oh, that's right. Because I could tell you a really gross story, but I won't. But when people <laughs> – when people realize that they're not alone in this boat, right? Wherever, wherever they're off to, it's a good feeling. So, right. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Danny. I appreciate that. That means a lot. I'm out. <laughs> all right. Have a good night and uh, enjoy Phoenix. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Danny. All right. Keep in touch. Thank you for listening to another episode of Beyond the Rut. If you like what you heard, share us with a family, a friend, that neighbor across the street. You can also get the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 061. If you haven't subscribed to us, we're on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher and Google Play Music. And you can always catch our latest episode at beyondtherut.com. We also want to hear from you. What is your Beyond the Rut story? Call in at 361-596-3788. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, you can even shoot us an email at info at beyondtherut.com. Talk to you later and catch you on the next episode. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.